HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network, broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Actually here reporting from, I believe we're on the fourth floor. It's very odd not being in a you know, ground floor shipping container in the back of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick um, with a very special guest who's actually been on the food scene before, Kyle McLaughlin. How's it going? It's going well. It's really nice to be here, Michael. Thanks for, it's a, uh, for being here. Where are we specifically? Spring and Sixth. So Spring and Sixth, yeah. We're um, in uh, the uh, God's Love, fairly new building, God's Love We Deliver building here. Um, uh, uh, Michael Kors was a huge contributor to make this all happen. And uh, this is this is where we they everything is all in in one one space now. So all the meals are prepared here. Um, part of what God's Love we deliver does um, uh, meals for people that are unable to to cook for themselves or get out and get food, and they they have um, they have a huge responsibility for New York and uh, surrounding areas, and they um, they feed a lot of people free of charge. Let me preface that this is a very special episode, not just a special episode, but it is for God's love we deliver because they came out with this gorgeous cookbook, which not only has celebrities like you in there. Um, but it, it supports what God's Love We Deliver stands for, and it's feeding a specific community here in New York that really needs it. And there's no one better to talk to about this than you, who have been involved for a decade and a half, no. if not longer. <laughs> no, don't remind me. <laughs> it has been a long time. Well, I, I believe in the organization. I think, um, first of all, it's incredibly well run. Um, I love what they do. I love their mission. Um, I'm also pretty handy in the kitchen, and uh, so I can appreciate the effort that goes into preparing the number of meals they do each day, um, and then getting them to the people who need them. Um, it's it's a it's an incredible operation, and they do so uh, completely from donations. Um, people that get the, receive the food uh, don't pay a thing. Uh, they're just um, they need they need uh, great food. 
to either help them recover, to sustain, um, uh, just to go forward. Um, meals are tailored to um, each individual person, which is pretty incredible. And they, um, they manage to do this daily. And they're sending out thousands and thousands of meals every day. So 1.5 yearly. I mean, helping thousands and thousands of New Yorkers every year. Yeah. And let's define these people we're talking about too, because I, I kind of want to give them a face and, and a voice in, in the same you know fashion that yeah. you know it's people living with cancer, HIV, AIDS, Alzheimer, other diseases that mm. otherwise can't cook for themselves. Right. Um, so it's not just a charity it, it it is a necessity for a lot of these people that's a very good distinction um it, it is not a charity it's a necessity these people would not survive without this and that is a tremendous responsibility which god love uh, god's love takes very seriously um but they also have a lot of fun with it i mean there's the entire organization here for the most part is run by volunteers and they work in the kitchen and they come in and they do give their time and their um and their expertise uh doing whatever they need to do uh whether it's handling a knife or uh mashing up some potatoes or you know whatever they need to do now i kind of want to touch on the importance of of food in general um and what it kind of means to you i i know you grew up in in washington state and you had a, well, there was an apple orchard where <laughs> you grew up, and, and then it became, you know, uh, you know, housing development. But exactly. What What is this love that you have for, you know, not just the culinary arts, but feeding people? I don't know, Michael. Honestly, um, my dad was the primary cook in the household. Um, wasn't that my mom didn't also cook, but um. We we generally preferred my dad's cooking <laughs> to my mother's cooking, and my brothers, my two younger brothers, have got great stories about successful and unsuccessful meals. Um, anyway, so I I grew up just uh, you know one of three boys. Dad would cook, grill a lot of the time, and um, I don't know, you know, both of my parents, grandparents, the mothers on both sides, my grandmothers were were cooks and bakers, and very very good. And uh, my mom didn't quite get it. My dad did get it. And, um, you know, time goes by. I go away to college and I don't really have a choice, to be honest. It's either I figure out how to cook or I don't eat, you know, things that are, you know, probably worth eating. So I started in that on that journey myself. And so I did my own cooking and my own um, shopping. I, when I was in Seattle going to school, I went to the Puget Consumers Co-op, which was crazy. And I would shop and started to learn about healthy food, organic food, raw milk cheese, you know, grains in bulk, all this kind of stuff. And this was 77, 78. So pretty early on, I guess. It was still primitive yeah, <laughs> to a degree. Yeah, far ahead of Whole Foods. <laughs> Way before yeah. Whole Foods <laughs> and any of those. And um, I loved it. I enjoyed it. So I would make stuff not only for myself um, during the week, but I would also bake things and bring it into my classmates. I, at that point in time, I was in an acting program. There were 13 other members in my class. And I would bake bread or I would bring in cinnamon rolls or just that kind of thing. And I found it to be... Um, a, a way of getting away from the acting training. It was a way for my brain to do something completely different, make something, cr be creative, and at the same time, um, you know, hopefully provide something fun for people to enjoy. So that was how it started. But, I mean, it is methodical, too, kind of like acting can be with 
Stanislavski and Straussberg techniques. I mean, did you invest in the culinary arts in the same way that you studied theater? Kind of. In other words, there were definitely cookbooks that I would get and refer to and found myself what I like to do, maybe maybe most cooks do this, but you sort of have three or four different recipes, the same recipe, but from different points of view. And so you can kind of look and figure out which one you think you want to follow and you can take a little bit from this and a little bit from that. So it's kind of my acting style, I guess, in a way. I, I borrow from a lot of different places. What what are those three cookbooks? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when I first started, um, Laurel's Kitchen was very big. The Moosewood Cookbook was very big because it had great illustrations. And I remember the Tassahara Bread Book because uh, I made a lot of bread. And there were those three. There were others, but those are the three that leap to mind. Um, and they were all well used. And I still have them somewhere. I'm kind of a pack rat, so they're up on a shelf somewhere. I don't refer to them anymore. Now it's the magic of the Internet. I mean, you can basically go on and source whatever you want. And I've got a great app called Paprika. And you just throw the recipes on there, and you can put three or four recipes on, go back and forth, compare them, and it works pretty well. I mean, do you tire of that, though, someone saying, make this for me? It's kind of like someone approaching you and say, your special agent, Dale Cooper. Say something special, <laughs> yes. Agent Dale Cooper. <laughs> or here's a, here's a cup of coffee. There, there actually is a cup um, of there coffee. There is a cup of coffee, right and now. I'm actually enjoying it at this moment. <laughs> mm. um, you know, I, I never really feel put upon in that way. I mean, most of the, the cooking I do now is for my son, who's eight, um, and also for my wife. And they like certain things. So the challenge for me is to make those things that they like, but to keep it interesting for me to always, maybe there's just something slightly different or something that I'll try. There's always an experimentation every time I cook something, you know, and I'm not talking about, these are not exotic things. Okay. So we're not, I'm not spending hours in the kitchen, but, um, you know, they might like, uh, uh, pounded chicken, you know, breaded, baked or fried paillard. And so I'm, I'm mixing, messing around with some of the, the breadcrumbs and the ingredients in that, how long I, how long I maybe uh, marinate the chicken breast for, um, what I use, uh, that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, there's always a little bit of, I wonder this sort of wonder that. So You, you convinced me at Payard. So. <laughs> he had, had you at Payard? Yeah. <laughs> the, the contributions that you've given to this cookbook are, are more in the breakfast sect. Um, mm. It's a yeasted waffle. And, yes. you know, it, it's something that, you not only enjoy it satiates you, but you enjoy because you make this for your son, Calum. Yes. Yeah. Actually, Callum. Callum. But that's pretty close. David Lynch calls him Calum because he calls me Cale. Yeah. So there you go. So you're, that's, you're, that's why you're yeah, in good company. I was company. just referencing. <laughs> of course you were. Of course you were. Um, yeah. We, I thought, oh, um, I remember with great fondness, and I mentioned this in the book about breakfasts with my dad and my brothers and him cooking, being in the kitchen, cooking up whether it was pancakes and um, or waffles, mostly pancakes or scrambled eggs or that kind of thing. And he um, would derive great pleasure, I think, from that. And, and I, you know, we never really talked about it, but I know that that was something that he, that was a way he showed his love, to, um, honestly, um, and the way he took care of us and felt good about taking care of us. Um, and I think, as they say, the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. So I'm, I find the, myself, I have the same kind of reaction. I, I'll get up early and I'll, and I'll start the process. And in this particular recipe, it starts actually the night before, um, just putting all the ingredients together and letting the yeast do its thing while the, while the batter's in the refrigerator. 
and then pulling it out the next morning, letting it sit for a bit. And uh, it provides great light, airy waffles. And um, it's, it's, um, it still works. <laughs> yeah, and to give this more levity, it's something you're excited for. It's something that you're, you're saying you prepare the night before in anticipation. Absolutely. You know, uh, what God's love we deliver does is also hits that anticipation point. You know, people are expecting these meals to come. And I, I don't know what the feeling is like to, to not be able to do that for yourself and have that arrive at your door. And, and you know, can you imagine the, the gratefulness that you must have? Yeah. But also the, you know, altruism that someone like you and other people that work here have doing that for that specific, you know, sensation. There's a, there, and, and you do get that sensation. It's a sense of, you, there's, there's a pleasure. You know, it's, you're, you're giving a gift. The people that are getting the gift are very grateful. Um, it, it must be fun to get, you know, what is it like when you order takeout? It's like, oh, it's kind of fun. What do they have? What do they say? Oh, how do they put it together? Okay, what else do I get, you know? So there's this kind of, this kind of a present opening kind of fun and, and gratitude, you know, and I think that um, that's one of the reasons the organization is just so terrific. Um, and and I feel it in my own little way, you know, when I make a meal for someone for whatever reason. And I can't I, I can't delve too deeply into why, but it's like it gives me pleasure and um, and I enjoy it. And I like the creative side of it. I don't mind spending a couple hours doing it um, and it makes me happy. What what are some of the meals that you've constructed here at God's Love? Ah, uh, <laughs> well, here I I and I was saying this earlier. I have not yet actually worked in the kitchen, so I haven't put on a hairnet yet and gotten down there with a knife. But I um I keep uh, I keep threatening to do that. Um, but meal wise, um, I've done um a couple different preparations of things for um of things for my family primarily, um, and so I'll do um. You know, it's always starts out with the idea of being healthy, and then once in a while, it sort of <laughs> it sort of drifts a little bit into other ingredients that are not necessarily healthy, but enhance the the the, the taste of the food. So, uh, like, um, I love doing a roasted cauliflower uh, florets with um, uh, breadcrumbs and parmesan, uh, mix a little bit of olive oil and a heavy dose of cumin, and that always. Um, and I roast that sucker for about an hour and a half. It takes a long time, but they get they get down to sort of these crunchy, wonderful little cauliflower bits, and they're fantastic. And that's something that I know my my wife really enjoys. So, who was it that initiated uh, joining and and helping God's Love We Deliver? Because I, I know your wife works on the board. Yes, um, Des, Desiree, my wife Desiree. She she really initiated. And we you know we're good friends with Blaine Trump, who's been involved for for a long time in the late Joan Rivers as well, involved for a long time, from the very beginning. And my wife is the kind of person that if someone calls, she answers. And and that's just who she is. And it's one of the great qualities. It, it means she gets spread pretty thin sometimes, but um, she has terrific instincts. And, you know, in speaking with Joan and Blaine, they called, Desiree said, I'm in. And I went with her and I said, this is a great, this seems like a great organization. And the more I learned about it, the more I, I, I just completely believe in it uh, and what they do. I mean, just from uh, an actor's and actress's standpoint, let's look at the company that you're in too. <laughs> I mean, from in the book, in the, in the book, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the people that give their time and, and their passion yeah. to God's love, we deliver. I mean, yeah. there, there's Isabella Rossellini, yeah. there's, you know, 
who said her mother was a terrible cook. And <laughs> she, she, she was best at uh, I'll tell you a story about that. After her, a while. <laughs> her, her favorite words were room service. Um, Kim Cattrall, uh, uh. Meryl Streep, Alan Cumming. I mean, I feel like there's a sense of being someone who's performative and this is a different stage. Mm. Or food is, is, is a way of kind of sharing your character. It's it's interesting. I I I agree with you, and I think um, particularly the people that you mentioned. Who I think I know. Well, I've met Meryl. I wouldn't say I know her, but everybody else I know a little bit and have worked with. Um, there is um, there is a feeling of of what what I do, what what we do as a type of nourishment. You know. Um, uh, sometimes what we do is healthy nourishment. Sometimes it's, it's more of a dessert, but, <laughs> but the idea is that we're hopefully providing some kind of nourishment with our work and what we do, whether it's television or film or theater um, for an audience, you know, and I think it, you could, you could draw some parallels there. I think what you did. <laughs> That's what I try to do <laughs> subconsciously. Uh, Volunteering is, is such a large part of this organization, and it's with the help of 10,000 volunteers every year that they're able to make and distribute you know, this one and a half million meals to yeah. thousands, thousands of New Yorkers. Yeah. How, how does one become a volunteer, or what is a plea that you would make as someone who's done what the PSA voice for God's Love We Delivered Before to right. come here and help and you know, see the effect it has on New Yorkers that need that help. Well, that's it. You see the effect, you know. And it's also um, the most family of, of atmospheres here. You know, if you're looking for a community of people that are fantastic, that believe in what they're doing, that 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 share this common goal, um, you couldn't do better than to come here and, and come in and, and spend a little bit of time. And to know that you're helping... You know, one of the things about God's love is that it, the the reach. You know, the reach is wide, but it's also it's New York. You know, so it's kind of one of those we we help our own in a way. You know, so I always feel that that it's um, what you're doing is immediate. There's an immediate feedback, um, and it's also. Um, within a, a very small range of, of space, you know, here. Um, so it's, you, it's felt like I felt, as I said before, it's felt immediately. And I think, um, that kind of, um, um, I don't think of the word I'm looking for, but it's, um, the, the sense that you're doing something that's important and helpful, um, it, it hits you the moment you walk through the door. So, you know the the architecture of God's love we deliver has distinctly changed over the years. My my wife, who had volunteered in the past, when we walked up, um, remembered the building more as a bunker than as this <laughs> kind of light, open and airy space. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of like those that they serve. You know, they, they are in this space that they can't get away from. A lot of them are homebound, mm. um, and God's love we deliver is kind of that window. Yeah, it's it definitely is, and as you said, as you say that, we're looking out on on the windows here in this in the little office that we have on the corner, and it, we're just it's just beautiful. It's it's New York, you know. We're surrounded by New York, and you feel New York up on the roof. There's a garden that is 
spectacular and they actually have events out there they host things in the evening uh particularly nice in the summer obviously um and early fall and it's just alive and vibrant and they grow a lot of what they use up there um very self the idea of self-sustaining is important um and you 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 know you you feel the vibrancy of this place um so it's it's very much alive and you said there's a rooftop garden, so it makes it leads me to believe that it's fresh, it's delicious food here. You know, uh, when you hear about organizations that may you know, deliver food to somebody or, or help a certain sect of people, right. you don't always associate delicious with that. Um, <laughs> and you know, looking looking through the cookbook, right. yes, the first recipe is porridge, but it's from <laughs> April Bloomfield, which is a, a you know a very good hand in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Um, how important is it for food to be delicious? You know, it doesn't just have to be nourishing, but it right. has to be tasty. Yeah, it's got to be tasty. I mean, um, and, you know, as I said before, they they tailor the meals to the individual. So if people are, um, what you know, whatever um, dietary restrictions they have or may not have, God's love is is totally cognizant of that. Totally take that into consideration and make sure that they that people get what they um, what they need. Um, which is just another. It's the attention to detail that I think that is one of the other reasons that makes this organization so great. They really care. They really make an effort. They really want every meal that goes out to be important and special, and hopefully have a, a brownie bite in it because <laughs> those brownies are absolutely the best. You know, uh, um, reading through, you know, the the contents, the recipes, um, it'd be amazing, first of all, if you could just order via submission. Say, <laughs> oh, I want the Kyle McLaughlin yeast of waffles and <laughs> the Kim Cattrall scrambled eggs with scallions and turkey bacon. <laughs> but then uh, uh, another scrambled egg thing, which I, I thought was just, just so very New York, was Charles Masson, like a restaurateur who's right. always been over the top also makes scrambled eggs but saves a shitload of white truffles on top of them <laughs> anything with white truffles works it, it is the time of the season isn't it it's true it is you know and looking through this cookbook again uh, the the contributors are just true new yorkers at that point too donna karen raj shast i mean what would the new yorker be without raj shast right, right. um you know adam gopnik uh even though he's well, I think he lives here, Barishnikov. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the creativity. It's the, you know, engaging personalities uh, showing that, you know, part of being New York isn't always being overt. It's being in the background, too, and, and helping in that way and yes. making people behind the scenes feel as good about living here as they are. Yeah. And I, I the other thing, as you were speaking, I was saying how great that all of the contributors, um, particularly the ones that are maybe not necessarily known for cooking or for food. Um, uh, can you imagine Barishnikov thinking, oh my gosh, they actually want to hear one of my recipes. I'm so excited to share this because when does he get a chance to do that? You know, it's, it's, they, ex- people expect him to move around, you know, in a, in, a, in a beautiful, graceful way, you know, not, not to get, you know, in the kitchen and work. Um, uh, Isabella the same way, although I happen to know that she's a great cook. The story that I was thinking of, um, I was re- remembering when you were talking about Isabella's uh, mother, um, there was a, um, a screening years ago. I think it was at, um, at MoMA 
And as part of the screening, she also had um, included some different foods from when she was growing up. And of course, she had a Swedish mother. So um, she brought her Swedish chef to cook. Um, and so we were there and, and very excited, you know, about what was going to happen. And so we walked down the row and there was, there was, you know, this pickled herring, you know, and, and then herring with dill. And then there was herring in kind of a white kind of a sauce or something. And, and then there was herring on toast. And then there was, and finally at the very end were the Swedish meatballs, <laughs> which, <laughs> which disappeared like that. We weren't quite ready for the, for the herring, but it was, uh, I, I could, I understood why, um. Yeah, Isabella was like, ah, <laughs> I grew up with herring. Yeah. Well, I, I want to go back to Barishnikov because, you know, uh, my assumption would be he makes a good borscht. Yep. Maybe he does. But what's wonderful is that his contribution is, is a grilled bronzino with pancetta, lemon, and herbs. <laughs> Again, like you, you wouldn't totally. expect that from Barishnikov, no. but, you know, what he has to offer, uh, what everyone in this book has to offer is is – kind of outside of themselves as a public personality. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And as you were saying, and also just slightly, you know, unexpected. I mean, that's a, that's a great case in point. Um, yeah, the, the recipes in here are wonderful. And as you are pointing out, the list of the people that have contributed uh, range far and wide. I mean, I'm looking down here and I'm seeing Mark Sanchez. I'm seeing Cindy Lauper, you know, um, uh, there's there's some of the classics. Daniel Balud's here, which is good. Stanley Tucci, who I know knows his way around the kitchen. He he has a cookbook. He's got a cookbook, <laughs> exactly. Dan Kluger is here as well. He's got a new restaurant opening up, Lydia Bastianich. I mean, there's some fantastic chefs in here, along with the rest of us, you know, amateurs. And um, how nice to be included. I'm right next to Alice Waters, by the way. I didn't know you know Rightly that. so. Yeah, you requested that. Yes, exactly, right. <laughs> and we're right next to Katie Couric. God knows what Katie's got going. But, you know, I'm sure it's something tasty. I'm going to find that out now. Now I'm. I'm <laughs> now you're curious. Yes, I mean I, I did. I combed through this book, and it, it's so lovely because again, it's so well curated. It's so smart. It's it looks delicious, and you know it emanates this soul that God's love we deliver also kind of projects. Right. In that you know, it doesn't have to be a sad thing. It can be a happy and celebratory thing right. to to be part of this. Yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful way to say it. And the, the book, all the proceeds go t- towards, um, again, gets, gets plowed back into the, into God's love. And I mean, the books, you buy a book and you will be actually be, be, um, buying meals for people. So I think each book is, uh, about five feeds. Yeah. What? Yeah. Five, five nutritious meals yeah. for clients of God's love. Yeah. We deliver. Yeah. And a hundred percent go to support the organization. So, so I go to God's love, buy that book for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'd love your feedback of Kyle's yeasted waffles, which I'm sure <laughs> are fantastic. They're not too bad. And y- you can at least have that with uh, some wine in the morning too, right? <laughs> well, if you're, depending on how late the night was yeah. before, sure. Breakfast for dinner. <laughs> I mean, I'm not Why saying not? wine offhandedly. Uh, you yourself are a winemaker. I do. I do make wine. I make uh, wine in um, Washington State, where I grew up, eastern Washington, in fact. And I think part of that, um, part of, another part of the what I enjoy about the cooking process is the the blending and combining of different tastes. And I have found, um, in with making wine, there's a lot of blending, um, subtle blending of different uh, different varietals. You know, I use a Cabernet Merlot, a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, 
Petite Syrah, those kind of things in the blend. And so it's about the combinations um, in wine. And I also find in in food, food pairing and combining with wine as well. So that's, it's kind of awakening this, all these sensory things. Um, and I, they go hand in hand, you know, whether you're making waffles, you know, um, Sunday morning with, with um, a particular type of bacon that you can get at Italy, which I'm crazy about, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know, it's about combining these ingredients. Dale Cooper famously, you know, said uh, pancakes and and uh, when pancakes and bacon collide, and nothing nothing is quite uh, quite the same. Like you said, actually, pancakes and ham. I know all the all the Twin Peaks fans are going to be yeah. calling in right yeah. now to correct yeah. you. No, it's maple syrup. <laughs> Maple syrup and ham, that's good. I, I take maple syrup to pretty much with anything. Bacon, ham, it all works. I'm a sweet, savory yeah. guy. Have you ever been a waiter? I've never been a waiter. You know, because if you came to my table and there was a daily special and you described it in the way you just did, I, I would say yes. I wouldn't even look at the menu. <laughs> but I, I, in that same vein, I want you to describe your wine. Uh, talk to me about those tasting notes because some some of those are, are you know, wonderfully poetic and then right. some of them you read them and like that sounds like bullshit <laughs> but like how can it really be how that? how important is it to describe food in in kind of a lush manner i, I think it's you know it's all about the sensory you know so the smells and the tastes the and the visual you know the presentation it all goes into the process whether and that's true for wine as well you know what does the bottle look like what's the weight of the bottle what does the label look like how is it all done you know how, what's that what does the wine look like when it gets in the glass what type of glass are you using you know what and when you go and what, what's the, what are the aromatics first and foremost that's your kind of your first apart from visual the aromatics are going to tell you what the wine is all about um what are you getting off of that you know is it are there are there licorice elements chocolate elements do you smell the berry what do you what what what's coming to you you know and then you know moves you know, onto the palate from there um all things that we take into consideration when we you know when we're growing and building the wine you know and using different kind of barrels and aging as long as we do um so it's um all those little subtle elements come into play you know like when you're cooking you know all the little little bits and pieces that go into that what you know what does it add up to so you know, you were on my show in the past, and I think one of the most poignant things that you said was about winemaking. Um, you know, cooking is something you kind of do every day. You can do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, some snacks in between if you need. But as a winemaker, you really have a limited amount of attempts, uh, yes. maybe 30 to 35 in yes. your life. And I kind of equate that in my head to how God's love we deliver delivers mm. to these people. Mm. I'd hate to use the word limited, but Truthfully, there there is a window mm. of opportunity to uh, feed those affected, yeah. you know, by these diseases. Yeah. Um, so you don't know how many attempts you're going to have, right. but how important is it to to make it right every time? No, you really want to make a difference, you know. It and you could draw that correlation even to I, I think about um, working on stage. You know, where you, every night you come back eight shows a week, you know, and you're doing the same thing over and over again. The goal is to make everyone as fresh and vibrant and and um, exciting as the last one, you know. And hopefully that, and and hopefully the show continues to grow and and expand, you know. And it's it's really a dance with the audience, but it's the minutia, you know. It's like how do you find the new and the exciting 
in something that you've done, you know, let's say a hundred times before, you know, and you have to find that. And it's just, that's why I like to, with recipes, I always like to move around a little bit. And with the wine, you know, every year I get um, all the different, because uh, I, because I, I source from a lot of different locations. I get Cabernet, I get Merlot from different places, um, Syrah from different places. And I get to go through and sort out what I think is really great, what is maybe not so great, find a place for it. Um, I get to tap that in with the barrels that I use and what they contribute to the wine. Um, and then, you know, we make a final blend, which is kind of a big moment because as you said, that's one of the 30, 35 times that you have and you set it down and say, okay, this is what it's going to be. And, and that's it. And it's done. And you hope that you've made the right choices (laughs) and the right decision. Well, I mean, not, not that you being somebody that's recognizable can lurk in a tasting room and watch people, you know, taste your wine, but what does it feel like to, to have someone drink and appreciate that bottle that you've labored over for years? It's feels really good if they if they like it you know if they appreciate it um i i often feel that um then this is just probably the feeling of being in the underdog kind of from washington state california of course very well known napa cabernet is you know that's your top seller but washington has these have has wonderful wonderful syrahs wonderful cabernets wonderful malos everything that they make up there so but we're a little bit the underdog so when someone tries it and goes oh my gosh and that wide-eyed look of surprise, like, this is really good, it always makes me feel great. You know, it's like, yeah, you make good wine. And it costs a lot less than California. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, in that sense, is it is it a showy thing or a comforting thing to have a bottle of Washington wine? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think, you know, it's, um, Washington wine is different than, than Napa, California um, it, it has a different flavor profile. It's fantastic. But what I always look for is, are people open to a slightly different experience with wine? And 99 out of 100 are definitely looking for something that's satisfying, that's interesting, that tastes great. And that's, that's what we produce up there for the most part. So, um, I don't know if it's showy or comforting or just sort of um, satisfying. Actually, I think. I mean, that, that's what that that was the answer I was hoping for because it actually led me into um, the idea of you know impressing someone with food and wine versus just feeding them. Like, wh- right. what are the dishes when you invite someone to your house that just feel right, and what are the ones that you've tried to reach too far and failed at? <laughs> <laughs> there was a bad night when I was making pizza. Um, and we were, I was trying to do homemade pizza and I actually had made the dough and everything like that. And that's what I have on tap for tonight. Yeah. Is that right? So that's good. So, but I don't really have the right apparatus to do it that really a, well. That is a baking steel. Bakingsteel.com. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, um, and, and unfortunately I had one peel that I was having to sort of do double duty on. So I, I wasn't really, it wasn't really my best, my best moment. So we ended up ordering ordering in pizza from a very nice company, but it, it, it failed miserably. But out of that evening came a salad that I sort of created, a kale salad. I didn't, I mean, I made it because I was desperate. You heard it here. Kyle <laughs> McLaughlin created kale. Kale. <laughs> I said kale salad. 
just to be just to be absolutely truthful. Um, but I made no. I just uh, I took uh, the uh, the the kale, the rough one. I think it's uh, something called dinosaur kale. I don't know what the proper name is. Anyway, it's kale, and just julienned it really fine, and then just um, added. Each subsequent, I did all of olive oil, a little bit of salt, a little bit of lemon juice, and a little bit of honey with some roasted pine nuts, and just kind of massaged it with my you know, my hands, and um, that was the good that that made it onto the rotating menu for my wife. She loves it, so that's now part of the. And and I loved it so much. I went as a Halloween. My Halloween costume this year was was kale. I went as kale that I'd hot glued to my to old sweatshirt. <laughs> And <laughs> that that's an only New York kind of thing, right? You totally only New York. Yeah, like you couldn't roll up in Walla Walla dressed as kale. And no, people would not appreciate. They that would. They the would be way. like, "What on earth?" No, but but here, I think points go towards you know, it's creative, and I, I I always try to wait to the last minute and just I you know figure out something and go. That's what I'm going to do, and and um, so far it's been okay. So you're telling me waiting till the last minute is where your creativity comes from? It's it's that's exactly right. Procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> I live by procrastination. You know, you brought up. <laughs> this is a terrible segue because I just want to go back to a single word, and you said hands and massaging that kale. Yes, and the importance of there being hands or a person behind making the food. You know, uh, I've worked in soup kitchens before, and mm-hmm. just hearing that phrase makes people think of, you know, slop, yeah. rule. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen... High what, school lunchroom. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I've seen what comes out of here, out of God's love we deliver. And yeah. again, you know, not not to hit you over the head with that, but the fact that there's so much care and that there are real people and actual hands... Mm-hmm. Here, making that food really makes a tremendous difference in how someone appreciates that afterwards. I agree. I agree. And I think the the sense I get is that the people who work here know or are connected to somehow the people that they are making the food for. So it's immediate, you know. And there's that feeling of... Um, of sort of direct help and impact that certainly doesn't, I mean, we all contribute to different causes and things. I'm a big believer of UNICEF, you know, so I contribute to that now and that gets done and goes out, but I don't necessarily always know where, you know, unless you go on a, you go on an expedition with them and you go out into the field you don't know what the what impact you're necessarily having, and with God's love, I think um, you you see it, you can feel it. It's it's close to home, and I think another reason why I think it's so important, and I, as well so satisfying to be involved in the organization because you really feel like you're making a difference. What's also amazing about this organization is that they provide meals for, you know, clients, children, and senior caregivers too. Right. So they realize it's it's not just that one mouth that they're feeding, it's the hands that help feed that mouth as well. So, I mean, I don't know many other places that think about it in the totality that God's love that's, that we deliver does. That's a great way to put it, in the totality. I think that's exactly what they do here. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's all-encompassing. 
that way. And, and that attention to detail is throughout the organization. Um, you know, you always want to support those places that are making a difference, you know, and where you can walk away and feel like, yeah, I, I'm contributing to something that's worthwhile. And I know what's happening with, with what I do, my money, whatever, my time, my efforts. And that is certainly the case here. And the last burning question. Uh, I'm actually going to give you the answer. Katie Couric contributed brownies. Oh. <laughs> Not these that brownie makes, bites in front of us. But. Those are Chuck's. Yeah. Katie Couric. Oh, I can see Katie. Can't you see that beautiful oh, little absolutely. smile and just like a, a basket of brownies? I can see that with Katie. Excellent. Well, you know, Kyle, we can't thank you enough, not only for being you and being on Heritage uh, and supporting God's love we deliver, but being the right kind of person to deliver that message. Uh, and thank you. I mean, if, if there's... Anything you can say to anyone listening out there uh, that might convince them to become a volunteer for God's love we deliver, please do tell now. Oh, I think all you have to do is is stop in downstairs. And from the first person that you'll meet, um, you will feel welcome. And you'll feel like you are needed and that you'll actually have, um, you'll be able to contribute something, something important. Uh, And I think uh, along the way, you'll have a lot of fun. So next time you get off the subway at Spring Street, you know, taking yep. that CRE train, look up at the Michael Kors building and, and see that there are many floors uh, contributing many meals to mm. many people here in New York. Yeah. And buy a book, God's Love We Deliver. Perfect. Thank you again, Kyle. Cheers. And thanks for listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.